بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. This is our first uh, session of Wednesday Night Light in which we're resuming post Ramadan. I hope everyone has had uh, a few weeks to rest and recover as much as possible. Inshallah, we ask Allah to accept all of our efforts and we ask Allah to overlook any of our shortcomings and to gather all of us in Jannah. We'll be continuing uh, this book, Hidden Blessings, 40 Wisdoms Behind Calamities, Difficulties, Trials, and Tribulations. And the reason why uh, this book was selected, I think it's fairly self-explanatory for all of us, uh, given how the last couple years have gone. There have been different challenges that everyone has been going through, especially over the last you know, two plus years regarding COVID and everything else in connection with that as well as other things. So we ask Allah for anyone here who has any hardship, we ask Allah to turn it into ease. For anyone here who has any difficulty, we ask Allah to facilitate their situation for them and to turn what is dark in their situation into light and to give them the light of guidance. We're going to move on to wisdoms number seven and eight. So of course, in I'm, I have a trivia question. How many? This book is how many wisdoms? you got to raise your hand. From trials and tribulations, what are, what are, yes, that would, 40, mashallah. So he's right here, so I'll toss it to him, but if I need your help, I might need you, Luqman, to run around, okay? Got it. Okay, good catch. 40, so what we were doing before Ramadan, we were covering uh, two per week, so the idea is uh, to take the approach that slow and steady wins the race, inshallah. So today we're going to be covering... Wisdom 7 and Wisdom 8. So after each one, then I'll pause, maybe even along the way, just to see if anyone has uh, any thoughts or reflections that they want to share. Of course, no one has to share anything, but it is encouraged because if uh, if somebody shares you know, something that comes to mind, uh, then other people will end up benefiting uh, from that. And this has happened, this has happened, I'm sure, to all of us. Many, many times where somebody points something out regarding a surah, an ayah, any reflection, and it's really profound. Uh, so, you know, sharing is caring. So if you're willing to share, then please, uh, please do so. And we have helper Luqman, the wise, mashallah, um, to, to be our uh, mic runner if need be, inshallah. We'll go ahead and begin with Wisdom 7. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Connecting oneself. To the creator of all things. Hakim al-Ummah rahimahullah said, If a person rises above the occurrences and afflictions of worldly life and instead connects himself, of course himself or herself, to the creator of these happenings, then the divine wisdom and reality of these incidents and difficulties will immediately manifest themselves in his heart. So to essentially look beyond what's right in front of us and to reflect, okay, how... You know, is Allah teaching me something? Is Allah showing me something? What can I learn from this? How can I come closer uh, to Allah from this situation? When the heart is connected with the Creator, then all of life's troubles will make sense and become comprehensible. Similarly, the confusions and perplexities of affliction will disappear. Peace of mind and contentment of heart are not found in material means and objects. Rather, they are found in rising above the material world, and connecting oneself to the creator of the means. Mawlana Rumi rahimahullah said, uh, Oh, what is this strong wind of sarsar that has descended from the heavens? A hundred thousand ships have become wild and wandering because of it. Many ships have been saved by this wind, and many have been drowned by the same. 
Some have been given life through it, and some have been put to death by the same. The wind is under the command of God, just as your breath is under your command. With this breath do you utter curses, and praise do you him with the same. Know that different winds proceed from the fans, quote-unquote fans, of destiny. By the wind of Sabah does the day commence, and by the pestilent wind of Weba, plague, does it come to an end. O Lord, you have made the winds manifest to us, so do not conceal the fans from us. Being able to perceive the fans of destiny is a sign of the lanterns of the hearts of the pure. He who only sees the external means is indeed a worshiper of forms, and he who perceives the creator of means is the knower of mysteries. So this is the end of Wisdom 7. Does anyone have any thoughts? Any? So if you do share something, you will get a piece of candy. Just as a slight incentive, if you don't want it, that's fine. But if you if you want to share anything, uh, then we can put uh, Mr. Luqman to work. Does any, What's something that stood out to anyone? Anything that anyone wants to share? What's, you know, is there uh, any any reflection that anybody wants to share? Y- y'all ain't going to get the candy for free, man. Of course, this isn't just limited to the, to the kids. Any Grown-ups can get candy too, if they want. What do you guys think of when you hear the term fans of destiny? Do you think of like a giant windmill? Do you think of a fan in the window? What's something I'm going to put Ubaid on the spot? Because he, he's, always, he's always ready, ready to, to give a good answer. What's any, there's no right or wrong answer. But what, what's something, because what that passage is highlighting is that it's not, it's not, so like there's a lot more depth to different situations that we may be dealing with. And the message is to look beyond the situation that's in front of us and to to reflect on Allah and to see kind of the bigger picture, essentially. Do you have any, any thoughts related to that? Hmm? What is it? You want me to read the whole thing? No, no, that part. So don't just look at the winds, because we see winds of change in our lives, but what he's saying is look at the fans, right? So don't just look at, let's say someone, I'll give you a very simple example. Let's say someone, they take a quiz at school and they don't do so good, right? So as soon as they get that result and they have that, you know, less than ideal situation, Step one is to take a step back and reflect before that quiz, did I prepare? Let me zoom out and look at the bigger picture. What was I doing the night before? Did I have breakfast that morning? Was I playing games the day before or did I study? How about a week before was I preparing? So to kind of zoom out and to see, okay, what are what other things are connected to this? Because it's not just about that piece of paper of a quiz, right? So I'm waiting for Ubeda to, to, to share some, some, some thoughts. Even if it's one. Who are you going to You're going to pass it to, to Yusuf, mashallah. Yeah, um, so, fans. Fans could be like the cause, mm-hmm. cause of the wind. Mm-hmm. If you just say wind, it blows, yeah. And it like takes, say, a fan and it blows the wind and you have a leaf. Mm-hmm. The leaf is blown by the wind, which the wind is caused by the fan. Mm-hmm. And destiny... And I'm, just, I'm stuck there. Mm-hmm. So it's, the point is, it's not just about a situation that someone is dealing with, but a lot of it ties in with the reflection to think internally, what does Allah want from me? 
or what is Allah telling me? What is Allah showing me? What, you know, are there signs within this that I can that I can benefit from? Is Allah guiding me in a certain direction or away from another direction? So, to 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 reflect on the bigger picture and what's what's very very interesting is when you look at this ayah in the Quran, just the wording is indicative of the 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 type of generally positive mentality and optimistic mentality that the Sahaba had and the Quran it uh, it emphasizes the way we it teaches us how to look at things uh, in addition of course to other things there's an ayah in which Allah says قُلْ لَنْ يُصِيبَنَا إِلَّا مَا كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَنَا هُمَا وَلَنَا وَلَنَصْبِرَنَا عَلَى مَا أَذَيْتُمُونَا Especially the first part, قُلْ لَنْ يُصِيبَنَا إِلَّا مَا كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَنَا It's interesting that Allah is saying, Allah is telling the Sahaba to say that we're only afflicted with what Allah prescribes, so the wind, right? What Allah prescribes for us. They said, كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَنَا عَلَيْنَا so even though there you know, may have been a, a difficulty or a hardship, the, the feeling is that I may not be able to see the complete picture now because things are kind of cloudy, but because of who Allah is, the one who's you know, causing that wind, so to speak, there has to be some kind of benefit within this. There has to be many layers to it. The first layer may be ugly, right? But then maybe there's something... Halfway good that comes from that specifically, and then from that something amazing comes, and you wouldn't have that without the process before that, right? So you meant you added another layer to it. It's not just about the uh, the fans or the wind, but you know, think of the example of a leaf, right? So if if, if we're like leaves and we're in the wind, right? There, there's a bigger there's a bigger picture to reflect on. So within within our lives to take a step back and to think, okay. And it, it's 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 bittersweet, but it, it really rings very true that there are so many people who have become much, much, much better people, much, much, much better Muslims because of some hardship that they dealt with, some kind of difficulty that they went through. It doesn't mean we ask Allah for hardship or difficulty. We never should. We want to try to avoid that as much as we can. But the reality of things is just being in the dunya there are going to be challenges, but if we try to navigate them as best we can in ways that bring us closer to Allah, then eventually later on we'll look back and say, SubhanAllah, this ended up being, I couldn't see any good at the time. But eventually Allah showed me that there was some good in this situation. Now that I see that good, which was impossible to see then, because then Allah lifts the, the figurative veil, and then Allah shows you what His plan was or the wisdom or the benefit, and then the response is Alhamdulillah. Now I can see something good in this and it usually ends up being good not just for that one person, usually many other people as well. Right? Like Prophet Yusuf <coughs> This one person went through so much difficulty but then eventually he ended up helping, saving and benefiting how many thousands of people and families. Um, so that, that's just one example. At, until the, the king had that dream and then that one person came to Nabi Yusuf السلام, asking him to interpret it, one of the two people who entered jail with him. Years later, he comes back to him because you know he knew he could interpret dreams, so on and so forth. As soon as that happened, and then his situation got better, and then he ended up helping his direct family. He also ended up helping 
everyone within Egypt and then also surrounding areas because surrounding areas relied on them for economic uh, support, which is why his brothers came from out of town basically to seek help. So until that happened, it understandably, it looks like there's one hardship after another after another because that's what happened. But then as soon as Allah showed his wisdom in this situation, then all of a sudden it became a really good thing overall for him and his family and everyone else. Luqman has his hand raised. You're waiting very patiently. Yes, Luqman. Do you want a microphone? I've been waiting to... Go ahead. Like for the first example, mm-hmm. like, like the rain, there's like dark clouds, mm-hmm. but then the, the second, then after that, there's like a rainbow. And it's like uh, more, sh- more like sun. Mm-hmm. There's more sun in it, and the second layer becomes better. That's a very interesting example that the rain, there are these dark clouds, it might look scary, you might not be able to go outside and play basketball or go to your friend's house because there's so much, sometimes streets may get flooded, you can't drive anywhere, so you just camp out at home, for example. But you gave a good example that after that rain, there might be a rainbow. And you. it's very interesting you mentioned that because you can't get a rainbow without rain. You can't. You need both the rain and the sunshine. And both rain and sunshine have their place for benefit in our lives. Well, duha wa layli idha saja, right? They're the 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 daytime, you know, symbolizing the good times when things are bright. There's benefit within that for the believer, and then also, you know, when the night is dark and still, there there's also benefit within that for the for the believer as well. So if the hard times are like rain and the good times are like sunshine, right in between, what do you have? You have a rainbow. Right, which which is, so you mentioned. See, look, man, the wise, mashallah. Now, see that that's <laughs> may Allah bless your parents. They chose they chose a, a good name for you. Actually, all of you have really beautiful names, mashallah. What about the rain? Even if it's like there are dark clouds, sometimes there's even thunder and lightning. Look, man, do you think there can be good as, before the rainbow? Right, just the rain. Can there be good things that come from that, or is it all bad all the time? What's something good that can come from rain? Uh, Is it not working, the microphone? I guess not. It's okay, go ahead. uh, Rain can be helpful for what? Rain is needed for what? For drought. Okay, for water. So if there's a drought, you need rain, right? And rain comes and gives a lot of benefit, a lot of relief to pretty much everyone. Right? The crops need it, the animals need it, people need it. So even though there, there is that, there are those dark clouds and there's that rain, and sometimes the thunder and lightning can be really scary, but there, there can be benefit that comes from it, and this is how the believer tries to respond to the different ups and downs of life. Right? To, how can I benefit from it? What's something good uh, that I can gain out of it? Is the mic working or it's not, it's not working? Did it turn off? Maybe you're on out of battery. No? Okay. So here, you can take this one, you can run it over to Sister Farah. Go ahead. And then we'll we'll see if... I have a mic phobia. You have a mic phobia? Okay. So we'll keep the mic away from you. Okay. Here, you can... 
It's up to you. Yes, go ahead. What's something that you'd like to share? That's a very good example because for any any mom, when their kid is at any age, there's this natural concern, but especially when it's a baby, especially under those circumstances and the incredible amount of pressure and danger. So from one perspective, it may seem like it doesn't necessarily make sense per se. If you're scared for him, throw him in the river. Like from a limited perspective, it, it seems like, well, if you want to protect him from danger, why would you go and put him in danger? But Allah has his plan. And there's, you know, Allah has his wisdom. And what ended up happening is within the same day when he ends up in the river and then she told his sister, you know, follow him. And so he goes and of the last place that, because, and this is like, we don't control the fans, we don't control the wind, right? We, we just try to control our perspective and to, to trust Allah while we take responsible action. But that's a really good story because from our perspective, the last place we would want that baby to end up is the palace of Fir'aun. Anywhere except there. Like, why there? How? From, from the, the micro perspective, we may think to ourselves, if, if we were seeing that in real time, how could that possibly make any sense? But then you look at the details of, of how his wife, who is an incredibly good woman, picked up the baby and then... You know, she managed to to convince her husband that you know, for this one, let, let's keep him and 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 raise him. So they did, but then he wouldn't he wouldn't suckle, he wouldn't latch on to any of the wet nurses. So then his sister, who was a young girl at the time, very wisely, so you know, youth have a lot of potential. She didn't give it away that she was his sister. She just casually, nonchalantly mentioned, you know, I I, I might know a lady who maybe she can help with this, and. If, if you know if the wife of Fir'aun, if there's like an order from the palace that you know that like this needs to be figured out, then it's going to happen. So within the same day, he ends up being returned to his mom under the protection of the same army that she was afraid of. 
by, and they were commanded by the one she was afraid of in terms of Fir'aun. And she was paid for feeding her own baby, subhanAllah. So within one day, so then when Allah lifts the veil and then it comes full circle, and we see the other half of the circle, so to speak, then it's like, wow, subhanAllah, actually it wasn't just good, this is beyond perfect. Like th- this is more than, she would have been happy if her baby is, is just safe and healthy, but the baby is safe and healthy, and she doesn't have to worry about those guards anymore. They're, they're now protecting her and her baby, subhanAllah. And, and it's very interesting that the one who connected those dots was his sister, right? So it, it's, she may have been 10 or 12, just to you know, throw some, some numbers out there. But it's how Allah can work, right? And, and who Allah can work through. She basically saved the day because of what she said and how she said it. And subhanAllah, the whole time, Prophet Musa is, so to speak, a leaf in the wind. Right? No control over anything, but Allah took care of him and subhanAllah, and Allah's will was that Fir'aun would raise the one who would end up taking his kingdom from him essentially. So the, the power of Allah's plan is, is really incredible. That's a good example. Uh, anything else before we move on to wisdom number eight and then we can practice in ping pong if you guys are going to stay. I don't know if you're going to stay or go, but I've heard that, you know, mashallah, Yusuf John has been practicing his, his forehand and backhand and serving. Anything that you want to share, Luqman, before we move on? You don't have to. If, if they're, I think, okay, so this one seems to work when it's in close proximity, and that one is working when it's a bit further. This is number 100. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, like in the first beginning, it's like darkness, and then it becomes into light, and then, like, you're, like... First, it's like it, it's bad, but then it turns good because because uh, Allah already planned it, and uh, like like if uh, a leaf blows in the wind, Allah uh, knows what's gonna happen to it. Yeah, that that's actually. Uh, that's a, we keep going back to these leaves, mashallah. It's interesting, the Prophet, this, this, I'll give, I'll give two pieces of candy if, if, if anyone, three came out, we'll make it three. The Prophet compared, he compared the believer to a specific kind of tree. You're mentioning leaves, right? What kind of tree? Yusuf John. Palm tree. Palm tree. Palm tree. Correct. Why do you think that is? Because the leaves don't fall. The leaves, the leaves don't fall? <laughs> that that is gonna give the, the the detailed encyclopedic breakdown of 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 palm leaves. So what you're saying is they don't they don't typically fall easily, right? Like some some you know seasons they come and you just you find you know some trees they just they shed a whole bunch of leaves. So what you're saying is that's not really the norm for palm trees. What's interesting is what one of the reflections that. Uh, scholars have offered is that the the Arabs at that time they would benefit from every part of the palm tree, right? So they'd benefit from the bark, they'd benefit from the leaves, they benefited from the fruit, and then after they ate the dates, they would benefit from the seeds. Uh, so there there was so the believer, right? Every part of the believer is essentially beneficial, right? For themselves, for their family, for the community, for society. Uh, so that's one one reflection to to take from it. Uh, another is that 
I've never, I've never climbed a palm tree, but from what I've seen or heard as well, that it, it's pretty difficult to do. It takes a lot of skill. It's not easy. But then, if you want to get to the fruit of Jannah, then it requires work, right? So it's not you can't just reach up and and take the days. You have to put in the effort to climb, and then you get the the fruit that you're working for. But eventually, it does pay off, inshallah. One second, let me just move on to wisdom A, and we'll conclude shortly, inshallah. Wisdom A, calamity and tribulation is only that which is only that by which the heart is affected. Hakim al-Ummah said, people generally consider worry, pain, sickness, financial difficulty, imprisonment, famine, killings, plagues, etc. to be calamities. But in reality, none of these are actually quote-unquote calamities. All of these things are simply occurrences and events. A calamity or its counterpart, tribulation, is that which affects the heart in such a way that it causes the person to become worried, disturbed, or grieved, or to descend into depression. The happenings in question can, at most, be considered a means of calamity, but not calamity in and of itself. Calamity and affliction is only what the heart is ultimately affected by. Therefore, in lieu of feeling overwhelmed and stressed out by these occurrences, if we were to manage them in a way that makes them compatible with our temperament, then these occurrences would not only cease to be calamities, they could even become a means of enjoyment and pleasure. They could actually cause one to enter into a state of bliss instead of a state of stress. If a person can master this state of mind, then then these occurrences would actually become a means of comfort and an end to all of life's worries." Uh, Moving on to the commentary, one may object to the above statement by saying, how can suffering become a means of pleasure and enjoyment? But we see this manifest in the lives of the Sahaba. Their perspective was of total conviction and faith, so much so that even the advent of death, the most terrifying aspect of life, became a means of enjoyment for them. This was because of their deep conviction that they were to receive their just rewards in the hereafter. When Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu anhu was being persecuted in the hot sands of Mecca, he was ecstatically calling out, Ahad, Ahad, the one and only, the one and only. Khalid bin Walid describes his army to the Persian emperor as, I will come to you with such a people who love death as you love life. The noble Sahaba radiallahu anhum, through their profound faith and certainty, considered sickness and suffering to be a means of atoning for sins and elevation of status. For them, death was a means of attaining the beloved. For them, worldly loss became a means of after-worldly gain. Shaykh ibn Tamir rahimahullah beautifully articulates this when he says, What can my enemies do to me? My paradise and garden is in my heart. It never parts from me. Indeed, my imprisonment is spiritual retreat. My being killed is martyrdom, and my expulsion is sightseeing. SubhanAllah. So that's the end of Wisdom 8. Very briefly, is there is there anything that anyone wants to share? Any reflection? Anything that, that comes to mind? Anything that you're... You look like you're waiting to, to pounce. Go ahead, Luqman. Uh, wait, what did you say again? My question is, what is something that stood out to you from this section? So this has to do with perspective. That there, there can be, and Abdullah bin Abbas, he mentioned that uh, regarding any calamity that happens in this life, there are three hidden blessings within it. One of them, if, is if it's regarding your dunya and not your deen. Two, it could be worse. Three, it's 
in uh, it's in this life and not the hereafter. So those three things tie in with this because what what he's emphasizing is if your heart can remain protected. Yes, there are challenges, and the Prophet cried alayhi salatu when his uh, when when his third uh, when when his third baby boy had passed away. Right, he was crying, and one Sahabi asked him. A man asked him, like, even you cry, Ya Rasulullah? Because they didn't usually see him crying, And he said, yes. The, the eyes shed tears and the heart feels sadness or, or grief, but the tongue only says that which pleases Allah. So the Prophet still felt emotions. Prophet Yaqub, he did end up going blind because of so much weeping and crying, because of losing his son uh, Yusuf so many years earlier, alayhi salam. So there, there is that human side, but the, the bigger picture of what we're being reminded of is whatever you're going through, if you can manage to remain a mu'min, a mu'mina, a believer, and to protect your heart as you go through that, and as you go through that healing process, then eventually things will, will be okay. So, for example, if uh, let let's say you have some candy at home and you find that Dawood he stole a piece of candy from you, I don't think you would actually do that. It's just a silly example. So, if that did happen, you you can go and talk to Dad. You can go, you know, talk to Yusuf. Go talk to Abdullah. Go talk to your mom. And so it's it's that's like it's a it's a small pinch. But what this is reminding us is that. Yeah, but you know, you still called adhan, right? You still called iqama, right? You still recite Quran. You're still so there's the difficulty, but there the most important thing is your heart. So long as your heart remains connected to Allah, why do you think it's important? It's important for our hearts to remain connected to Allah. Why is that the most important thing? Because that if your heart remains uh, connected to Allah, then you do more, you pray more, and you. Do more uh, good deeds, mm-hmm. and uh, you you uh, uh, read Quran more. Good. So that that can be a good habit that comes out of something difficult, and then eventually things improve. And then even after they improve, if they remain connected to the Quran, then in the bigger picture, there ends up being a lot of good that comes from it. It also goes back to the example of the mother of Prophet Musa salam. Right, her heart remained connected to Allah through uh, through that that very difficult situation, and eventually things improved. Right, sometimes, understandably, sometimes as as human beings, we may feel like our situation is stuck and it feels like it's impossible to get better. But the Quran reminds us over and over and over. Prophet Ayub, salam, he loses everything. He's really struggling with that situation for many years. But then within one day, everything improved. Right? Within one day, Allah healed him on the inside and out, such that when his wife came back, she asked him, like, <laughs> she didn't recognize him. You know, have you seen the, this person, Ayyub? She was confused. And he explained to her that it's, it's me. So Allah healed him so quickly, even after many years of difficulty. Eventually, things improved, even though it seemed impossible. But it did happen. Prophet Yunus ends up in, where'd he end up? In a whale? In a whale. That seems like a pretty impossible situation to get out. Okay, even if you get out of the whale, you're still in the ocean. 
what are you what are you gonna like it seems impossible on so many levels but Allah got him out of the whale and then out of the water and then onto the shore and Allah healed him and he went back to his people and Allah guided his people to believe and Allah says in the Quran a hundred thousand people or more so it seemed impossible but then there was a lot of good that so things did get better right it seemed impossible but then Allah made the quote unquote impossible possible because Allah is Allah but, uh, go so ahead like when, when you're sad in your heart, you still, when you're sad, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you don't, you don't connect with Allah. You, you, like you have, you still have to uh, connect with Allah. Good. So that's a very good point, and we can conclude on that. Um, if if someone if they feel sad, that's a natural human emotion that happens to everyone, especially if there's some kind of difficult situation, including he went through a year, excuse me, a year of sadness. Does that you got to raise your hand? Does anyone know why that year is called the year of sadness? What was it that happened that made it such a difficult year? Yeah. Good. So, so catch. So, his wife Khadija passed away. His uncle Abu Talib passed away within a very short span of time uh, from each other. So Khadija was his main person for internal support he has a rough day dealing with some knuckleheads really difficult people he gets home he has someone to talk to he has someone to comfort him to who did he go to when revelation first came to him and and it it was you know he he was afraid because he didn't know what was happening the first thing he did he went home and he went to his wife khadija and asked her to, to, to cover him. Zamiluni, zamiluni. And what's interesting now, when someone medically, if someone's in a state of shock, one of the things they do is they put they put blankets on them. Right? So it's very interesting that many, many, many centuries later, you know, there there there's this practice that still happens. So he ends up losing her, who was his main source of internal support, then Abu Talib was his main source of external protection, because he was one of the, the leaders of Quraysh. So now both of them are gone and within a short period of time from each other. That's why he went to Taif. And then people, you guys know what happened at Taif? When the Prophet, he goes and then they end up chasing him out of the city and they're throwing rocks at him. And they were extremely, extremely, extremely mean to him. Later he would say that was the most difficult day in his life. My point is that year became known as the year of sorrow, the year of sadness, the year of grief. Nowadays you may label it as the year of depression, meaning the Prophet had a human heart Obviously, the greatest human heart ever, but he did still feel those emotions. And no one would say that the Prophet was distant from Allah or disconnected from Allah. You made, you made a good point. Through his connection with Allah, things went from rain to rainbow. Right? Things went, They were really difficult, but he managed to hang on to his connection to Allah. And then things they did, they did get better and things did uh, improve and heal over time, I think this mic has some has some issues, but we'll we'll try to figure that out. Any any thoughts on the sister side before we wrap up and conclude? Go ahead. Mhm. Mhm. You want to take it? Or here? Let, let me use it. Mm-hmm. And the 
iman, amount of faith that Bilal alayhi salam has, because like he knew only one word and he was so sick to Allah, he was his heart was so connected to Allah. Every mm-hmm. time they talk to him, they say ahad ahad. And what was the, the word years later when he becomes Muslim? It was among them all those darkest men and people was making fun of him. He's the Nubian guy. He's the slave. He was the only one who could ascend Kaaba five times a day and call for a gun. Mm-hmm. And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to tell them, ya Bilal. Makes us feel comfortable when you make the Iran so that you can pray. Mm-hmm. So like, see the reward. How was he was the only one who called for mm-hmm. salat five times a day. Mm-hmm. He was the only one whose voice was heard all around the city. Subhanallah. So there was extreme difficulty, and eventually things improved, and eventually, and uh, I'm sorry. And he was rewarded. And and he was rewarded. Subhanallah. It's, it's amazing that you mention. The, the point of him, because later when they conquered Mecca, and he, the Prophet, he tells him to uh, to call Adhan on top of the Kaaba, which was very symbolic. I mean, technically, Adhan, he did it, you don't have to go on top of the Kaaba to call Adhan, he could have called it from in front of it, but the Prophet was making a point that for the Muslims, including him especially, things have officially come full circle all the way to the point that in that same city, when he was being tortured, and like you said, all he knew was Ahad and Ahad, the one and only, the one and only. Yes, people were laughing at him because he's the Ethiopian slave, mm-hmm. the darkest king, and Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, among them all, you're going to go on the top of Kaaba and you're going to say that Iran by our beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. Just to tell people, see, he's, he's equal, he's one of us, and he's better than all of us, mm-hmm. because, of course, no one is better than the Prophet. Right, but in, in comparison to the, the general... You know the masses, so to speak, that he's special. He's he's unique, and a very powerful symbol for the the momentum that can build up over time through a person's iman. Right? It's no coincidence that the prophet ended up having the victories that he had and the openings that he had, and he ends up conquering Mecca within his lifetime, so on and so forth. All of this ties in with the power of La ilaha illallah. And when he, subhanAllah, when he calls Adhan, initially it was Ahadun Ahad, and then when he's calling Adhan, loud and proud for everyone to see and hear the same message. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Right? Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. SubhanAllah. So the, 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 for things to go from the difficulty and eventually to, to turn into ease and opportunity is incredible. And that, that's the, the divine wisdom and plan of Allah Azza wa Jal. Also, when when you look at his story, it's phenomenal because he called Adhan in Medina, in Masjid al-Nabawi, in the pro- many, many times. And then he also called Adhan in Mecca at the Kaaba. And then he would also later on, when Sayyidina Umar and the Muslims, when they when they uh, conquered Jerusalem, Sayyidina Umar, he asked him to call Adhan. So he called Adhan in all three locations Subhanallah, like within, when you look at his life story, at one point it seemed impossible for any of that to happen, but look at how Allah elevated him because of his sincerity, because of the strength of his faith. Allah turned the hardship into ease, and he ended up calling Adhan in the three most sacred places in Islam, which is phenomenal. And then all the way at, at the end of his life, when you know he's, uh, he's about to pass away and, and his wife 
you know, she says, what sorrow? And he says, no, not what sorrow, what happiness. Tomorrow I'm going to see Muhammad and his companions. That's Iman. Uh, subhanallah. That, I mean, everything that he had gone through, uh, the, 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 the main thing on his mind is there. Subhanallah. That, that's like, you know, as if it's right in front of him, as if he's staring right at it with his yaqeen, with the certainty that it's amazing the, the optimism that they adopted within their attitudes. These are people who went through amazing hardship, extreme difficulty. There's going to be some good that comes out of it. I can't see it now, but it's going to happen. There's going to be, you know, a rainbow, so to speak, after um, the rain. And especially the end of his story is is really incredible, subhanAllah. Uh, may Allah gather us with him and with with the, the Sahaba and, and the righteous and the prophets and messengers in paradise. I know we went a little bit over time today, but I do appreciate the commentary, the feedback, and the thoughts and reflections from everyone. Uh, we hope to resume, uh, inshallah, every Wednesday moving forward. Now it's after Maghrib, of course, because Aisha is late. So uh, that is the uh, the routine at this point in time. We ask Allah to accept uh, anything good that we've said. We ask Allah to accept the efforts and connection with this gathering from all of us. And we ask Allah to make us from among those who no one leaves disappointed from being in their gathering. May Allah make this that may, may Allah make this that type of gathering such that we all leave it forgiven and embraced by Allah's mercy. We ask Allah for that. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Subhana Rabbi Karabil Azati Amayasifun. Wasalam and Hal Mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Jazakum khair.